Taylor No sitting on the sideline, Dad Podcast, episode 102. Do you think exercising your brain is just as important as exercising your body? Answer that question next with my guest, Chester Santos, the international man of memory and also a U.S. memory champion. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Joe Foley, and I want to thank you for being here. You choose to spend time listening. Hey, it means a lot to me, and I really do appreciate it. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I got a question. I'm actually, you can help me a little bit, I guess. If you have a second, check out the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast page. It's at nosittingonthesideline.com. And let me know how, what you think of it. It's a new new a new a website that has all the links, where you can subscribe to every platform, Apple, um, Google Podcasts, all those. Let me know how, what you think of it. And leave a comment in the show notes and let me know. I like a little bit of feedback. I would really appreciate it. Next up, my guest, Chester Santos, the international man of memory and the U.S. memory champion. It was actually kind of fun talking to him because it was kind of a cool topic to talk about memory. We talked a lot about memory and some tips and tricks to become better at remembering different information. It can be helpful at work, kids at school. It's kind of an interesting thing because you don't really think about it. And also, and during the interview, he had me do a memory challenge. And... Chester goes through the memory challenge with me, and I answered it. I won't give you what, how I answered and how I did until you listen to the episode. But i really like to hear how you did in the challenge. Take the challenge with me during the episode. It'll be kind of fun. We can do it together. You know, is it really important to brain? Exercising your brain is just in, in working out your body. Is, are they the same? Are they, you know, they're both very important. I think they're both very important, actually. Chester has a lot of great information about memory and stuff. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Chester. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a funny thing. I, I, I kind of like this topic today about memory and stuff like that. And being a man who's 45 years old, I think I'm starting to forget things. I need notebooks and pens and things to carry around with me to remember things. So and, and I was, so I was fascinated about you being a man, um, the international man of memory, and you've been over to like I'm like a bunch of countries. How how is it like to be traveling the world teaching people about memory? Yeah, I feel really lucky to be doing uh, what I'm doing after winning the United States Memory Championship. Uh, I've gone on to spend twelve plus years training other people around the world in the types of techniques that I feel can benefit them in their career, personal life. And also this is huge for people, of course, that have kids in school. This will cut study time. It, the, the techniques that I teach provide kids with a much more fun and interesting framework to use to commit things to memory. So there are a lot of uses. I've been a speaker in more than 30 different countries for various types of organizations because, again, in many different fields, memory skills are going to be beneficial. It's interesting, too. I mean, 
reading a book and trying to remember everything in the book, it's kind of difficult sometimes. I know for me it is. And um, how can somebody, like, how can somebody use this kind of like your your te- techniques to remember stuff? It's I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So really, the techniques that I teach can be applied to committing to memory just about anything at all. Uh, I, of course, I don't recommend uh, necessarily trying to remember every last detail. It's really the things that you find would be the most important, the most beneficial. Uh, it can be done really no matter the information type, whether it's important facts and figures, formulas, presentations, processes, procedures, uh, foreign languages, exam material, training material. There's just a really limitless applications, there will always be three main principles that will apply no matter what specific memory technique you end up using. And those three principles are one, visualization. So no matter what you want to remember, try to turn it into something you can picture in your mind, something that you can see, because we're all very good at remembering things that we see. An example that I like to give in my presentations is the situation that we've all experienced at some point in our life where we will see someone that we could have met even years ago, years in the past. We may have met the person. As soon as we see their face, a lot of times right away, we remember their face. We know that we've met them somewhere before, but we can't seem to remember the name, right? Pretty Mm -hmm. common experience. Uh, One other example related to that, let's say you go to a party, you meet a lot of new people Two weeks after it's over, you're talking to one of your friends that was at the party with you and your friend describes someone to you. Your friend says, hey, Joe, you remember that attorney that we met a couple weeks ago at that party? He's also a member of the tennis club. As your friend is going through that description, a lot of times crystal clear in your head, you can picture the person that they're talking about from the party. Obviously, your friend can also picture who they're describing, but a lot of times neither one of you can manage to remember what the name was, right? So that's another example that illustrates we tend to be very good at remembering things that we see, right? Because when you are interacting with people, you see the face. That's why you can picture the person, (laughs) but you don't see, see the name, right? The name is something much more abstract to the brain. So one way to get better at names and we can go into this in, in more detail later, but, you know, Mike, you might picture a microphone. Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. So that's what I mean by coming up with a visual for the information that you want to remember. Second principle after visualization is try to get additional senses as you can involved from there, because as you do that, you're activating more and more areas of your brain and you're building more and more connections in your mind to the information. So I started an episode of PBS's Nova science. If anybody wants to check it out at some point, the episode that I started in was titled how smart can we get or It might be easier just to Google my name, Chester (laughs) Santos and and PBS, and you would find the clip online. If if you check it out, you're going to see me performing some pretty crazy memory feats on that show. Then they had me train David David Pogue, who was the host of the show, David Pogue. And uh, after a little bit of training, he was performing some pretty cool memory feats with just the right techniques and a little bit of practice. (laughs) Next, they had some brain scientists come on, some neuroscientists 
appear on the show and explain, okay, how in the world did Chester do that? How did David Pogue do it with just a little bit of training? And these brain scientists confirmed that it's because with these memory techniques that I've mastered over the years and that we'll talk a little bit about during the interview today, we're recruiting extra areas of the brain to help us. So areas of the brain that most people would never involve with these techniques, you're activating more of the brain to help you. And part of that is learning to utilize additional senses. And the final principle is while you are seeing and experiencing all of this stuff, try to make it weird, (laughs) unusual in some way, because there is a psychological aspect to human memory. All of us tend to remember things very easily that catch us by surprise that are weird, unusual in some way, right? So if Joe, as we're doing this interview, (laughs) you know, as your listeners are listening along to this, if whatever room you're in, an elephant suddenly crashed into the room at this moment, if that actually happened, you would probably remember that for the rest of your life and always tell that story. You are never going to believe this. I was interviewing this memory guy. Suddenly an elephant just crashed into the room, started spraying water on me. That might be stuck in your memory forever without you even trying to commit it to memory. That's due to this psychological aspect to human memory. And although it might not be fully understood how that works in the brain, how sometimes in one instant, something will go straight into your long-term memory, stay there forever. Whereas other times, you know, really important information, we can't seem to get it into our long-term memory, even sometimes with weeks, months of effort. We do realize that is a principle that is involved in human memory, though. When you combine the three things that I just went over, visualization, utilizing additional senses from there, and you use your creativity and imagination to make it all crazy, unusual, extraordinary, right away, you will notice a huge improvement in your ability to remember just about anything at all. So those are the three main principles that are always going to apply no matter what specific technique you end up using. I had a good question. I was thinking about that elephant dropping in the room. You always see that on TV or in like certain segments of the news. You have a bunch of students and they teach her in a room and they have a random guy come run in and, and dress a certain clothes and everything and run out. And nobody seems to remember all the details. I was kind of curious. Maybe you can know a little more about that and why they don't remember the details. Oh, well, that that's completely different. They just weren't. That's a matter of focus and paying attention. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually all about in order to. In order, so my area is semantic memory, which is information. Mm-hmm. So it is it's things that you know ahead of time would benefit you to know. So, for instance, if you were better at remembering names to get more of business networking, right, to, mm-hmm. to make better business and personal relationships in general. If you're preparing for a presentation, right, or you're meeting with clients, potential clients, or it is exam training material. So information, you know, ahead of time is going to be beneficial for you to know, you would then apply the techniques that I teach in order to effectively uh, commit that to memory easily and with, you know, tremendous accuracy. So it's a big part of it is focusing, paying attention, and then applying the techniques. I have another interesting question too. Maybe you can rely to being a dad and trying to help my son, maybe give a speech in class and, or maybe I'm trying to give a business presentation and how to, how was a good way to memorize, maybe memorize some speech, like a speech or a presentation? What's an easy way of doing that? 
Yeah. So I always recommend to outline first your presentation, come up with all of the points and uh, sub points that you feel are most important to get across to your audience. Once you have the outline, you can come up with imagery that represents in some way each of the points and sub points. One technique is something called the story method. I think it's best for people to really fully understand what I'm talking about by going through an exercise that I had in mind. So I'm going to use you as the guinea pig here, (laughs) Joe, and see if you can try to commit to memory the following random list of words. And people, of course, listening to this podcast episode can try to follow along and and see if they can do it. Uh, The word list is going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. That is the random list of words. Now, if I were to give that to someone, ask them to commit it to memory, common ways that people would go about doing that, they would write down the list of words over and over again. They would read it over and over again, recite it to themselves over and over again until they feel that they have it drilled into their head. If you do things like that, you really are not making the most efficient use of your brain to encode the information. And if you do finally get it down after a lot of study time, it it will only be for very short term. So, you know, tomorrow, a lot of those words would be gone from your memory. And definitely one week from now, you know, you'd be down to just maybe remembering a few words or or less at that point. But instead, we're going to try to incorporate those three principles that I talked about, visualization, utilizing additional senses, making everything weird, unusual. We're going to incorporate those concepts and build a story. So the first word was monkey. Joe, I'd like for you just to imagine that you see a monkey. Just picture that in your head. This monkey, it's making monkey noises. (laughs) <laughs> whatever a monkey would sound like. So Ooh, yeah. <laughs> good. yeah, just see and hear that monkey. Yep. Just have fun with it. Yep. The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron because that was the second word. So I want for you to just imagine this monkey is dancing around with this giant iron. It's a silly uh, scenario <laughs> to see that happening. The iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel that rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough, okay? Mm -hmm. Really interact with it. You look up the rope. You see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. The kite's flying around in the air, flying around in the air. You reach up and try and touch it. It's just out of your reach, that kite. The kite you see now crashes into the side of a house, Really see it smash into this house. Picture that. Smashes into the house. You notice now that this house is completely covered in paper. For some strange reason, it's completely covered in paper. Picture that. Next word was paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears, and it starts to walk all over the paper. Just see that as best you can, that shoe. The shoe smells pretty badly, so you decide to investigate and see why. You look inside of the shoe, you find a little worm crawling around inside of the shoe. Really see that smelly worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope. Envelope, maybe it's going to mail itself or something, I don't know, but (laughs) envelope was next. 
out of nowhere, a pencil appears. It starts to write very quickly on the envelope. Maybe it's addressing the envelope, that pencil, right? Pencil was the next word. The pencil now jumps into a river, and there's a huge splash. For some reason, when the little pencil hits the river, the river you notice is crashing up against a giant rock. It's crashing up against a giant rock. That rock flies out of the river and into a tree. This tree is growing cheese you probably haven't seen a tree like that this one's growing cheese and out of each piece of cheese shoots a dollar the last word was dollar so that was it i'm gonna fly through this in about 30 seconds just run through the story and you're going to replay through it in your mind so we started off with a monkey that monkey was dancing around with what it was an iron what attached itself to the iron? It was a rope, right? The other end of the rope was attached to what? It was a kite. What did the kite crash into? It crashed into a uh-huh. house. What was the house covered in? It was covered in paper. paper. What walked on it? A shoe walked on it, right? Mm-hmm. Something something was crawling in the shoe. What was it? It was a worm, The worm jumped into what? It was an envelope, right? Mm -hmm. What wrote on the envelope? It was a pencil. The pencil then jumped into the river. The river was crashing up against the rock. The rock flew into the tree. That was growing what? was growing cheese. And what came out? A dollar. So now you should be able to pretty easily recall the entire random list of words by simply playing through that story in your mind and recalling each major object that will give you the next word. So, Joe, go ahead. Give it a try. Just do your best. You don't have to get it perfect. Take your time. And then people, you know, listening to this interview can follow along, see if they can do it. Monkey, iron, um, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe. Um, um, paper, shoe. Yeah, you're good so far. Something was crawling in the shoe. Oh, worm. Got it. Um, um, E, e is for envelope, envelope. Got it. Um, um, Pencil, pencil. Yep. River. Yep. Um, rock. Uh huh. Tree. Yep. My favorite part was the cheese growing out of the tree. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. And a dollar bill or dollar, big dollar. You, you got it, man. Great job. So awesome work with that. So you got all of the words there. That technique is called the story method, and it's just one of many techniques that memory champions like myself used to pull off what at first seemed like, you know, amazing feats of memory. So they've have had me on a lot of different TV shows over the years, science channel, discovery channel, a bunch of different news programs. What they'll have me do is come on and perform again, what at first seems like a memory feat and then give tips at home, uh, tips for viewers at home. Um, but there's nothing different at all about my brain compared to everyone else's. I've just learned these types of techniques that are very powerful and effective. So you could give a presentation, uh, even using this simple concept of a story method. Let's say you're going to give a presentation on healthcare in the United States. It's always a hot topic yeah. for discussion, discussion for us. Maybe your first image of is just of a stethoscope, okay, that the doctor uses to check your heartbeat. That's going to represent the broad topic 
topic of healthcare. First thing you want to hit on in your presentation maybe is talk about the high cost of healthcare in the U.S. Maybe shooting out of the stethoscope or all of these $100 bills, right? Next thing you want to talk about in your presentation is in order to get certain things covered, sometimes you have to find a way to cut through a lot of red tape. Maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So you get the idea there. You could come up with a simple image to represent each of the points and subpoints of your presentation. This would allow you at a minimum to reduce the amount of notes you use. And eventually with practice, you would get to using no notes at all. And there are a bunch of other techniques, uh, you know, that you could apply to presentations and, and various information types. Well, it's interesting. I was wondering, and something a little about the memory stuff too. And I want to learn about your backstory. How did you come about this? How did you learn that you have this, this ability to do that and, and, and this method? Yeah. So, you know, how I got into this field was really random. I just happened to be flipping channels one night and I caught a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news program. There was a segment on the United States Memory Championship, and it just sparked my interest because growing up, I often got the comment from people. People would say, wow, you have a really good memory. So when I saw that, I thought, hmm, you know, maybe I can do well in this <laughs> United States Memory Championship. But I quickly found out that although I probably was above average to start with, I was nowhere near the level of the best people <laughs> in the U.S. that were they were, you know, memorizing hundreds of digits decks of playing cards, hundreds of names in just minutes. So that's when I started doing research. Okay, what are ways as to how one can dramatically improve their memory from where it's currently at? I read all the books I could read. I did a bunch of online research. I experimented with many different techniques. I started to find what was working best for me personally. I stuck to training myself in that small subset of techniques until eventually I did manage to win the U.S. Memory Championship. And again, since then, I've, I've spent 12 plus years training people around the world in the small subset of techniques that I feel can benefit them right away, you know, in their career, personal life and to help their kids in school. Well, interesting, too. I was thinking about that. It's totally different than photo, um, photographic memory, right? Actually, there is no such thing as photographic memory. Uh, at least not how we usually think about it and how it's been portrayed to us in movies like Goodwill Hunting and A Beautiful Mind, almost like a superpower. Um, and they have done research to prove that memory like that doesn't exist. I'll quickly go over two uh, studies, two experiments that they did. Uh, one, they will bring someone in, for instance, that is really good with memorizing numbers. They'll test them in various ways. At one point when they're not expecting it, they will give them a grid of numbers to memorize. And they will say, okay, please recall a row for us from that grid from left to right. They'll record how long it takes them to recall it. They say, great job. Now please recall a row from that grid diagonally. Mm -hmm. Now, it is the same number of squares left to right as it is diagonally. If this were truly a photographic image that they were pulling up in their head, you would expect the recall time to be approximately the same. But the recall time has always been much greater. So that's one way through experiments they can find out what's actually going on in someone's mind. And it is not a photographic image of the chart. Like they didn't just take like a mental snapshot of it they have some other way as to how they're memorizing it 
uh, a different experiment. They will test someone in various ways, and when they're not expecting it, just give them a random splattering of dots on a page. That splattering of dots forms no picture. It has no meaning whatsoever, and they ask them to reproduce it. No one has ever been able to perfectly reproduce that random splattering dot. So what it means is that when someone has an extraordinary memory that we, the average person just throws that term around and we apply it to anyone that, you know, we think has a really good memory. We say, wow, you you must have a photographic memory, right? Um, The memory is not true. At least it's not truly photographic. It's interesting too. It's like you can train yourself pretty much. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, so that's really, you know, my entire area is to train people in techniques that will allow you to have an extraordinary ability to remember things. And it may, you know, seem to some people like a superpower, like a photographic memory, but in fact, it it will come with just a little bit of training and practice. And hopefully people realize through that story method example that we went over that the whole process can be uh, really a lot of fun. Also, did you also create a a memory training app that was out there before on the iPhone? That no longer exists. So uh, you've done some research on me, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) So I did. So I did have an app which was number two in education in the in the app store in many. uh, Well, actually, number two in education in the United States and number one in education in Canada and a bunch of other countries. Um, But I just didn't. uh, It's no longer in the app store. So. Uh, I'm not supporting that app anymore. You can't really, uh, you can't even get it anywhere anymore. My latest project, what I've done in recent years is I've created an online training portal, um, which is really the culmination of my 12 years of (laughs) training people around the world. It's my best training product to date. And that's memoryschool.net. So, uh, memoryschool.net is where I would recommend people go if they want to learn more about my training and, and these techniques. Well, interesting too. Have you been um, doing this for a while and stuff? And has any stories you could share that people will come up to you like, thank you very much for showing me that technique. It, it helped me so much. I, you know, I'm, I, f- again, I feel really lucky to be doing what, what, what I'm doing. Uh, it's very rewarding to get emails and messages from people on social media telling me about all of the things they've been able to do. I mean, I get people coming to me that really claim that they have a horrible memory that they can't remember, you know, (laughs) hardly, hardly anything. And then, you know, with, again, with just the right, uh, training, a little bit of practice, uh, they are really amazed at what they're able to accomplish. So I really love it when I hear those, uh, types of stories. Well, it's basically like you uh, go to like um like your program you have now for training and stuff like going to um the brain gym like working out your muscle in your head and working out and, and taking tests or practicing and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is all a very good form of brain exercise, right? This yeah. type of memory memory training is really good brain exercise. That has been a hot topic in recent years, it's going to continue to be a hot topic. Everyone's recommending a brain exercise program in addition to a physical exercise program. If you are destined to develop Alzheimer's or another form of dementia down the line, as of today, there is no doctor, there's no researcher that can tell you how to prevent that from happening. No one has any idea how to prevent it. But what the research is showing, what people do recommend is rigorous brain exercise because they think this might help to build you up 
uh, build up what is called cognitive reserve. So if you look up uh, that term, that's the term you're going to find used over and over in the research, cognitive reserve. This basically means building up some extra brain muscle, and they think that it might help to make you more resistant if you do unfortunately uh, develop some form of de- dementia down the line, you might have more years of mental clarity that that you wouldn't have had without that cognitive reserve, without the extra brain muscle. One of the best ways they say you can do this is by learning foreign languages, mm-hmm. because when you learn foreign languages, you are building up so many extra connections in your brain. And, and of course, learning foreign languages is going to be much easier for you if you go through the type of memory training uh, that I'm helping people uh, to to go through, develop these memory skills. I would actually teach you Korean in, in my memory school program. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too. We're kind of like um, it's like you can like say if the person at home right now wants to um, practice a little bit. What kind of places or tips that you can think of right now in memory? Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to practice on a daily basis, one thing that I recommend uh, it's just such an easy way to exercise your memory every day is to commit to memory the phone numbers of friends, family members, colleagues that you're calling on a regular basis. Now, people don't want to do that, right? It's going to feel like work that, you know, I know some people are going to say, why would I put in that mental uh, effort when I can just, you know, use the auto dial from my phone? But, you know, I do I really want to lift these uh heavy pieces of metal in the gym. No, you know, the dumbbells in the gym, I don't really want to do that, but that is the way to get your body stronger, right? It's the Mm -hmm. same thing for your memory. You have to use your memory to keep it strong. So the use it or lose it principle does apply to memory. I remember growing up, we all used to, right? Be able to remember the phone numbers of friends, family members, I remember my parents would give me uh, emergency numbers that they thought were important for me to know. We could all do that. But nowadays, really, you give somebody even one phone number and they can't do it. They feel paralyzed, right? Um, <laughs> so, some some people nowadays don't even know their own phone number. So it's a really good example of the use it or lose it principle. Uh, I recommend... At a minimum, you know, people you're calling regularly, commit those to memory, still put them in your phone. So I still put, you know, I still put all the numbers in my phone. But when I need to call someone, I first dial and try to dial the number from memory. If for whatever reason at that moment, my memory is failing me, I'm too tired, distracted, whatever, then only then as a backup, would I use the auto dial. So if people would do that, they would be exercising their memory really on a, a daily basis. So I, I always recommend getting uh, away from as much as possible this digital dependency. We've become completely dependent on these devices to do things for us, and we're just not using our brains. It's it's not just memory. It's uh, you know mental calculations, basic math. People are losing that ability. Nobody can spell anymore because of spell check. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's affecting us in many different ways. I think this digital dependency. Well, yeah, you just ask the woman in the I won't say the name, but you know what I'm talking about sitting over there, but and ask him, can you spell this word for me? Or now we have like all the the auto correcting devices in the system. I mean, the, in the computers and the phones and stuff like that. Well, it's very interesting too. I always and any like you know some people say play play puzzles too. Is that something that could work too? Yeah, really, any form of brain exercise. So 
you know, crossword puzzles. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Sudoku. Uh, that I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly. The Japanese uh, game, uh, you know, with uh, mental math, basically, it involves you know logical reasoning. Um, anything like that is going to be useful. Just the point really is to exercise your brain. And yeah, you know, my program, as you mentioned, is like kind of like a gym a mental brain gym membership. And the, the idea, the hope is that if you are, you know, a member of this brain gym, that you're going to be at least more likely to get that brain exercise in, uh, every week. So it, it is, uh, definitely important to work on your brain as well as your body. Well, final thoughts, wrapping up, anyone leave the, with the, the audience and on, on about brain and maybe some brain exercises. Yeah, so I wanted to close out with some tips for names because uh, more details. I, I hit on it briefly with those, uh, you know, the visuals, uh, the microphone for Mike and the white rabbit for Alice. But let's combine that with I'll give you four steps that be, people can use right away because, again, any career this would apply, uh, anyone's personal life this would apply. Uh, it really helps you to build better relationships with people. So tips for names Get into the habit from this day forward, right after you guys listen to this uh, podcast episode, when you're introduced to someone, immediately repeat their name, uh, maybe shake their hand. So if you're introduced to someone named John, you would just say right away, nice to meet you, John, or pleased to meet you, John. Now, that seems so obvious, I know, (laughs) but a lot of times when someone is introducing themselves to us, our mind is all over the place, right? We're thinking about all sorts of other things. We don't pay any attention at all to the name. That first step forces you to pay attention to their name for at least one second. That's the only way you could repeat the name right back to them, right? So start doing that today. Eventually, it's going to become a habit. Step number two, early on in your interaction with the person, ask them a simple question using their name. So John, how do you know uh, Chester or John, how long have you been with this organization? That's it. And I want to clarify, I don't mean use the name over and over again in the conversation (laughs) to where it starts to seem a little bit weird, right? Really just using it once early on is enough to reinforce it in your mind. Step number three, take a few seconds or less to think of a connection between the person's name and anything at all that you already know. And I really mean anything. So John might make you think of John Lennon, right? Could be a famous person, but it could be something really simple. Like you have a friend or family member, like I have an uncle, John, you know, thinking of a connection between the name and anything at all that you already know is really going to be useful. And step number four, whenever you leave the party, the meeting, whatever type of function it might be, make it a point to try to say goodbye to people actually using their name. That's going to go a long way toward helping you to remember more of those names the next time you see those people. So those four steps right away, you'll notice a big improvement. I think people can start to use that, you know, just after listening to uh, this episode of your podcast. And then if you can combine it with the visual stuff that I was talking about earlier, you know, that's going to help you uh, even more. And in my online uh, memory school, memoryschool.net, again, is the, the URL, I would actually simulate introducing you to people. So, you know, I show you, you know, like 50 pictures in a <laughs> row with the names and you, you slowly build up and really uh, develop that skill. If people wanted to check uh, check it out, I actually set up a 
uh, a special code for your listeners. So it would just be uh, dad. That's it. D-A-D, dad. And um, yeah, when I set it up, it asked you how many times it can be used. So I set it up for 50. So the first 50 uh, of your listeners to use dad, it should end up working for them. And what it would do is completely eliminate the enrollment fee. So there's usually an enrollment fee uh, that would be completely zeroed out. So that's set up for your listeners if they want to check it out. MemorySchool.net, coupon code DAD. Chester, thank you very much for that coupon code. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for all the information you shared tonight. And I, I, I kind of, there's one story about, I mean, before we, um, we you talk about remembering people's names. I remember when I work, I used to deliver packages to people. And I used to give them kind of nicknames, like I, the hair cleft men guy. So kind of, kind of, I'm like, ah, oh, it sounds so familiar how that stuff, like that works like that. Yeah, you're you are on the right track already with that. Yeah, because, you know, when you are using something again, that's visual based on how the person looks, it's likely to be more effective the next time you see that person, right? Exactly. Thank you, Chester. Thank you much for being on the podcast. All links will be in the show notes. Also the, the coupon code dad, it will be in the show notes. Thank you, Chester. Thank you much for being on the podcast and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Wrapping up this episode, I really want to thank Chester Santos, the international man of memory for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it and spending time. You can find more about Chester at memoryschool.com. You can find all links in the show notes at nocityonthesideline.com slash 102. Hey, please reach out. Leave a comment on the show. I, I do want to hear your results of the challenge we just did. I would like to hear how you did. Leave it in the comment in the show notes. Oh, let me just say hi. Say hello. How are things going? I would, you know, like to hear from you. It would be kind of fun. Wrapping up, I guess, that was really kind of fun thing to talk about today. Memory. And, you know, like lifting weights. Memory. They can do lifting puzzles or doing Sudoku or stuff like that. It was a really fun episode to do. I just want to say thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Hey, you know what? Give somebody a call. Knock on somebody's door. Say hello. Ask them how they're doing. Especially the time the climate and the world is today, I think we should have separating each other. We should reach out and see how people are doing. Because we're locked in with COVID or, you know, we have different opinions on certain things. But we know what? We have a lot more in common than we don't. I mean, a difference in opinion. Because you know what? Sometimes... Just reading out and say hello, give somebody a hand, can go a long way. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya.